Hello and welcome to the Alexis Pereira program. I'm your host, Alexis Pereira. And with me as always, the Lyle to my Eric Menendez, <laughs> Alex Estrada. <laughs> I really surprised surprise you. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for, I think, 21 episodes for you to introduce me as your uh, as your Lyle. So yeah. this is a big moment, big honor. Well, he was the one who planned the whole thing, you know, and <laughs> Eric didn't want to do it. That's right. That's Much right. Much like this show. <laughs> Right, I'm the the uh, what's it called the the swift shadow hand behind the Alexis Pereira program. <laughs> so right. I neither named nor uh, <laughs> your name's in there. Yeah, it's name. just that yeah. your name is in my name. <laughs> you can't Alexis without Alex. There you go. Thank oh you. That's what, oh, well, you know that's what my girlfriend says. Um, <laughs> uh, Alex, how you doing? How's your week been? My week's been pretty good. My week's been pretty good. I um, I uh, just became an uncle again. Uh, for the eleventh time, wow! Uh, so that's uh, that's always fun. It's, you won uh, the case. That's right. <laughs> I won the case. I won the case. So my sister uh, just delivered uh, a newborn boy. Uh, this is number eleven for me. I've been an uncle since I was like eight. <laughs> so Jesus, that's how many thing. brothers and sisters do you have? I got uh, there's seven of us total. So I'm number five. Uh, yeah, and the I think the first one was born right after Lion King, and then uh, you know this one came out when there are no more movies anymore. So. <laughs> that's, wow, <laughs> that's what a good track. run! What a good run! <laughs> well, you know what? When are you gonna have one of your kids? When are you gonna oh uh, throw gosh. one of your own into the batch? Oh, uh, when the sun sets in the east and rises in the west, my friend, wow. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. I'm not. Uh, I'm not on that game. You never know. If this show takes off, you never know. You might. <laughs> you might meet a very. Off. You know, yeah, if, uh, if nothing good happens in my life, I'll have a kid, sure. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> ah, well, you know, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> you know, this week has been pretty good. I uh, uploaded one of my very popular Edgardo Allan Poe videos to, right, uh, to right. the interwebs. And no cease and, and desist this week. Well, you know, the family, many of them are dying out. <laughs> and they can't be on the internet all the time. So It's a pretty frail uh, family line. Yeah, they've been there for a long time, you know, so, you know, that was pretty good, you know, a couple thousand views and uh, a, a couple, maybe 30, 40 likes, you know, that that's pretty good numbers for me. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You might, you might start getting industry nibbling around that pretty soon. You know, industry's like been, they've been nibbling for a long time, you know, I always say the industry bites me without teeth, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm being gummed by HBO. (laughs) (laughs) You know, well, uh, you know, teeth and no teeth. It just depends on how big your mouth is. That's what I always say. Oh, gosh. Well, Alex, I'm I'm super excited uh, for our guest today. He this is our first cross Atlantic guest, uh, by the way, and cross Atlantic the other side to England, not to California. Oh, the good side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And uh, he is he is a writer on the foundation, uh, which is a uh, (laughs) a Friday night mod team at the UCB theater. You can catch them at Hell's Kitchen. Uh, it was 6.30 p.m. every Friday. Um, and uh, my girlfriend is even on that sketch team. They're pretty wow. funny. Yeah. There we go. Check That's them great out they got YouTube. the license from UCB to continue operating. Well, yeah. it's They do have to pay. They still have to pay like uh, the fees for like coaching and, and uh, training space. Right. But, uh, you know. The polar tithe, as we call it. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the Polar Express. That's what I call it. <laughs> 
Uh, but uh, let's uh, let's bring him on uh, all the way from uh, uh, Manchester, England, England. Uh, Shem Penance. Shem. Shem. <laughs> Wild. Uh, I listened to this show and I was wondering how will you hurt me with my intro. Uh, <laughs> and then you went by listing my actual credits, which was, you know. <laughs> the most, it's, it. It, it's very funny. Alexis was talking about his credits today. Well, how did you characterize it? A... Uh, a nobody Hall of Fame, Alexis. Oh yeah, I'm a no, I'm a nobody Hall of Fame. I, I I literally have so many credits of like a person who's never made it. Like no credit ever like is good. <laughs> oh, so. I I have the same like resume. It's just all stuff in England that so, like, no one like knows or like realizes. Uh, I've been cleaning out my hard drive, and it's just all full of like failed, hopeful uh, scripts, pilots, and like Twitter addresses <laughs> for the thing that might take off, uh, or like uh, wild. Yeah, it's it's upsetting. So you, you did go. you ever like work on like Sky or one of those like weird like uh you know? <sighs> Fuck me. Uh, BBC no, I, Seven. Uh, B- I had a BBC One pilot. Uh, like <laughs> I failed. I failed at the highest level. Uh, it's very exciting. Uh, but yeah, Sky. Sky would never talk to me, uh, which is exciting. Uh, but I almost the Channel Four would always like try and get me to uh, do stuff, but they always want stuff that is for like urban, cool urban youth, uh, and I am like this. So like uh, yeah, it yeah. would always be like very. They'd look at me and go, "Oh, great!" Uh, and then they'd listen to me and go, "Oh no!" Uh, like that's uh, all too common. Yeah, I have the same problem. Uh, oh, a fan said they saw you making beats on Riley Solander's show a few weeks ago. That's pretty cool. Um, I actually have the same problem whenever I show up to something, they're like, oh, we were looking for a Latino or whatever. And then they'll meet me and then we'll chat a little bit and then I'll have to explain to them, you're looking for uh, 6 9 uh, the rapper. <laughs> you're not looking for me. Uh, no, I'm more I of a Julio the same Iglesias. stuff at, uh, at auditions too. When I, did, when I had auditions, it'd be the same thing. They call me and it's like, all right, so you're going to be the contractor. Uh, <laughs> the Latinos ain't no contractors. I, I, we work I gave for the contractor. The, I gave one of the best lines. I it was, I think, it was for Blue Bloods, uh, and I was to be, I was the friend of a guy who was coming back to the hood to like, you know, spread the dough around. Mm-hmm. And uh, the line was, uh, "I can't believe you came back with that fat check, yo." <laughs> <laughs> that that's the way. Check. That's the way I said it, more or less. That fat check, yo. Yeah. That is how white people write like urban characters. Like they say the things that they would say, but then just add like urban words that they've heard before. Right. The so, only like, uh... good movie that did that is Attack the Block um, because uh, it was written by a very posh white guy, but he like spent the time. He went to a bunch of like uh, state schools, like spoke to kids, like listened to like the words, recorded them, went and like transcribed it. Uh, and that's the only time I've heard like authentic South London dialogue. Uh, it's like I fully sign off on that movie. That's how everyone uh, back where I come from like talks uh, with like fams and merkins and whatnot. But like uh, <laughs> that's the only good one. Yeah. Now, you're from uh, you're from South London. Uh, yes, I'm not, uh, as you so hatefully said at the top of the show from Manchester, uh, <laughs> I am from Brixton. Oh, wow. I was just going to name any soccer team. I, I don't know. Just whatever. <sighs> well, that's nice. How, how long have you been in the States? Uh, are uh, the colonies? How do you call America over there? 
this is also what drives me nuts is that here i'm british and when i'm in the uk i'm jamaican uh like mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. where my family's from uh and like i have no real love for like the union jack or the crown or those people uh but like i've been sent over here as their appointed representative and i'm like the worst person to represent them uh on like on like every <laughs> level uh but yeah like it's uh but yeah i've been here for three years i think was the question uh and like it is kind of like the colonies, I guess, that you can see like their breakaway uh, elements of it. Like I did post-colonial literature, so it was like a really interesting uh, study of how um, people in different like colonies have like rebelled against or like uh, what things uh, they've kept. Uh, this is I could go into this for a very long time. It's very dull and academic, uh, which is all of my comedy. Uh, I <laughs> truly apologize. Well, what's one what's one example of like one thing we do in America where you're like, wow, they're rebelling. What's um, like when you just adamantly refuse to give people healthcare on like any kind of universal level, you're like, no, we we left that like in the dust. <laughs> Let them was die. That no, that was like a World War Two thing. That wasn't like 1776. <laughs> I, 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 no, I, I know it I came in. No leeches yeah. for anybody. No, I just think it's like, oh, the, the UK are doing it. Fuck them. We're not gonna like uh, take it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what we're talking about we're talking about like stuff that like they were doing in like england like uh uh pre-revolutionary war that america was like oh we're just gonna do the opposite don't say driving on the right side or something <laughs> like that <laughs> you psycho big old uh, psycho have i met you alex uh, i don't think you have actually we I, we might have been contemporaries at ucb uh, but I, yeah, I think I was sort of out of there, out of there around 2018, 2019. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just. So there we go. Old guard, new guard. There we what go. They call it boats passing in the night. Is that what they say? <laughs> sinking ships <laughs> passing in the night. Two sinking <laughs> ships passing in the night. Oh, and here I am, the diver. Yeah, I like to think of Alexis as the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm James Cameron in Titanic, lifting you up, making a movie out of it. That's right. Yeah, sure. Down. Everyone grounds into Alexis at some point. Nobody comes back. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, it's nice that you haven't met uh, the two of you. I hope you guys meet sometime in the, you know. Uh, oh, Shem, I, can... I wanted to... Well, yeah, I wasn't going to... Uh, I wanted to... <laughs> talk to you about something i am i'm obsessed with facebook watch i watch a bunch of uh the shows on it if you want to call them that there is one show it's a british guy it drives me fucking insane and i hate watch it it's a british guy he's blonde and uh, he does this thing where he's like hello i'm going to show you how to break into the super bowl or some shit like that he breaks into places without paying and uh literally any step of the way if i tried it or if you guys tried it we'd be arrested (laughs) like with a gun to our neck but he just like literally like he broke into disneyland once without a ticket like not broken but technically it is breaking in he'll just go up to the ticket person and be like oh gosh i i'm so sorry i uh left my ticket in there went out to have a smoke forgot my ticket can i just come in oh brilliant thank you brilliant and they just like let him in Oh, so he's granting his way in. Like, yeah. are you, it, right. So, like, your first voice was like Jason Statham. So I thought he was like crowbarring in. But now your description sounds like he's Hugh granting ineffable charming his way like through the doors, and that like makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, he even got into. So, so these are like the places that he he's got into. He got into the to the um, the Oscars. He got into the Oscars. Mm-hmm. He basically walked by a guy, asked him. And they had, he had like a ticket like a, for press. 
and he's like, hey, where where do you got the uh, uh, where'd you get that? And he's like, oh, the press tent. And he goes to the press tent, and he's like, hey, uh, I, I I've got a press here for uh, uh, like Eddie something or whatever. And they they look at the list, and they're like, no, I'm sorry. And he's like, looks at the list with them, mm-hmm. and then he leaves, and he comes back, and he's like, actually, I'm Michael Dufresne from the list that I just saw. <laughs> and they just give him a ticket. Oh my god. They gave him a ticket. It was fucking insane. Michael Dufresne. There's so I, many people, but oh. And I, uh so yeah, I don't know. Oh no, I've been hate watching uh Amazon's The Boys uh because hate watching. Uh, I cannot stand it, especially cuz that the lead character has the most cartoonish. It's like the lead character, the guy with the beard, uh, he sounds like oh, uh, yes, like a yes. Brooklyn person going, "Oh, you like a pizza? Yeah. Oh, yeah, get out of my way! You fucking cunts on you big cutty fuck cunt." Playing Billy Butcher, yeah, yeah. To be to be fair, I mean, I'm actually starting to read the source material now, the Garth Ennis stuff, uh, and I think Garth Ennis is from Scotland actually, uh, and it's like, and he he's like just like a very cartoonish, like overwrought uh, <laughs> comic author. So I can see that the uh, the direction that the actors get is just like, yeah, whatever you're doing, just, uh, you know, amp it up, you know, just clown it a bit. I do think Billy is the worst part of the show. I, I So I like the show, but I do think Billy Butcher is just like, you know, I have like British family, too. And it's just way over the top. It's like, <laughs> it's, just like it's like a New Yorker, like, hey, I'm going to go down to yo, I'm going to beat you, you up. Have, wait, Alexis, you have British family? I sure do. My oh, dad's okay. family lives in England. Okay, I didn't know England was a penal colony. That's uh, just, <laughs> you know, they're getting penalized. They're getting penalized. You know, they had one. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> it was either uh, go to Australia or stay behind and shine some boots in uh, in England. And that's what they did. Uh, yeah. No. It, so so anyway, that, that that just drives me nuts. And it's like uh, it, it's funny because that it, the British accent. If you're like blonde and have a British accent, you can just go into anywhere. You don't need a ticket. You don't need you don't need to pay rent. You can just go walk into an empty apartment. I, I do lay it on very thick if I'm trying to get help with something or someone's angry with me. Uh, like, um, like I talk normally, but then if someone's like, I need something, it, they'll be like, oh gosh, I'm like, I'm terribly sorry. I just, if it'd be really helpful, blah, blah, blah. Like, and they just go yeah. into like all the, and like I suddenly lose, I become very like ineffective. Let's do some role play. Well, let's do some role play, okay? Oh, okay, God. so you're like a person, you're just, just be yourself. And I'm going to be the person who works at the place, okay? <clears throat> okay, ready? I'm knocking on the door. Excuse me, sperm bank's closing. <laughs> I, 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 what? I, I, I need like a li- at least a couple more minutes. I'm just so sorry. It's just, you know, the chaps, they won't swim. Sir, I'm sorry. I, I have a, a Little League game tonight. I have to watch my son play Little League. So could you just either hurry it up or... Oh, is that football? Beautiful game. No, it's Love baseball. It. It. It's baseball. What? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so it's... sorry. I just assume any kind of competitive sport is a good bit of football. Oh no! It's uh, it's like cricket. It's like the cricket that game that you guys play, but a little different. <laughs> I'm gonna stop now because I'm dead. I, I, no, I was gonna. Oh shit! I was gonna call blackout in a second and note Lex is very. This hard. is incredible. Because <laughs> <laughs> the reference to cricket just got me angry. Oh my god! Exactly right. So, uh, Alexis, you're not playing at the top of your intelligence. <laughs> I said cricket. You said cr- that's, it's a, like that's, cricket. A, that's a good call. Uh, you just, I don't know. I think you you really sold your scene partner out there. By the way, speaking of cricket, uh, Shem, do you understand the rules at all? Because I watch yeah, it course. sometimes. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, watch Lagan. Uh, it's a Bollywood movie. It's the best um, sports movie I've ever seen. Uh, it's like a, <laughs> an amazing like tale of underdogs. But normally it's like, oh, this like 
little teams, like a little bit crap, and they can't work out in Lagan. Uh, it's set in like a village in India. Uh, they go up against the British Raj, um, oh, and like if they lose, like they'll their Lagan is like the tax, uh, and if they lose, you have to pay double, no triple Lagan. So like the stakes are real high, but the the team do not know how to play cricket at all. Like they're underdogs to the point where they don't really understand the sport. So you see them like spying on the British and learning how to play it, and like putting together. It's three and a half hours long. It's on Netflix. Uh, it has amazing songs. It's like a true Bollywood classic and like a really great cricket movie probably won't watch that but uh that's good to hear <laughs> that's really good to hear this is this is a show now Jim, if you've been watching this the show recently it's alexis improvises with you and then shoots down your recommendations yeah well i mean people typically don't tell me to watch a four-hour bollywood film about baseball so <laughs> cricket it's about cricket it's the one even, the one note know. yeah i'll never know i will so anyway, say yeah, i well, sorry i just wanted to Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. I I wanted to throw this on because uh, I didn't want to lose it, but um, I have to agree with Shem on using a British accent to get out of sticky situations because uh, I actually adopted one when I went and worked in a hotel after uh, I graduated from high school before I went to college. And I just found that when I uh, did that, people were much more forgiving when if I screwed something up and just sort of like took me at my words and didn't ask any follow-up questions. You with a British accent, really? Like, can you do it now? Like, hi, uh, where's my Let's room, see. room 27? Hello, welcome to the Cumbria Pines Lodge. <laughs> Here in Cumbria Pines, that we have a boy complimentary was in a coma. <laughs> What the hell? What the hell accent is this? Well, I mean, you said to do it. I, you know, I was 18, so my accent work is like changed. But you know, that's maybe a, a close approximation to the way I talked on the phone yeah. and uh, handled guests when I uh, met them in person. By the way, one of I, our uh, 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 viewers, Dracula that ass, wrote, "Would love to watch a Lord of the Rings long movie about a sport <laughs> I will never play." <laughs> Yeah, um, that's how I feel. Thank you. You see, my fans love me. You see, this is Alex. This is the thing you need to understand. My, the fans of the Alexis Pereira program love Alexis. All right. They don't get why you don't. You're all right. right. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, just because it's about 20 uh, minutes into the show, is it time for your monologue? <laughs> I, I, I don't have a monologue today. What? That's upsetting for like, like several the... reasons. Uh, mostly uh, because I have to do my packet for the Lily Singh show and was hoping to like steal some jokes. <laughs> right, Shim's gunning for that uh, not staff position. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Lily, if you're watching, uh, Shem is a great writer and uh, he's, you know, he can work five hours a week uh, under his uh, green card. So. That's great. Yeah. He gets stay up real late too. Well, your girlfriend has literally just texted my uh, text chain saying this packet is fucking insane with reference to the same thing. Wow. He's uh, texting with your girlfriend, Alexis. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. It's number uh, seven today, I think. Yeah. Well, that makes one of us. Um, so, uh, well, let's get into the news here. Um, and uh, the top story. Uh, uh, I don't know if you have this in England, Shem, but uh, OxyContin. Uh, is a uh, it's a pain reliever, kind of a pain reliever or painkiller, painkiller, yeah. and uh, basically it was uh, it lost in court or whatever, and it's giving up eight billion dollars. And uh, Purdue is it Purdue? Uh, the, Purdue, Purdue Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, they're closing down. I mean, Alex, do you want to go ahead and explain it? Or what the what's I happening mean, here? Yeah, what so happened with this case? It's a. Um, 
Uh, I think this one is part of the multi-district uh, litigation. So basically what happened was after uh, it turns out like a lot of people got super duper high and, you know, some died of overdoses from uh, this drug. They uh, basically they were sued by uh, a ton of states, including the federal government. And then ultimately what they've done is enter into a decree uh, where they agree to pay out this money, which will be used in, um, you know, partly for financial compensation. Uh, partly for drug programs, and then also just to sort of cease operating. And this is kind of like, if you want an example of like a smaller scale thing, uh, you guys remember Four Loco? Uh, you might not, Shem, but I'm sure Alexis does, right? Back yeah, in the day. I, I'm, aware of, I'm aware of the can. Oh, there, <laughs> everyone's seen the can. So back in, I think it was like 2010, uh, basically like six kids died from uh, drinking Four Loco because it was like a lethal, not lethal, but it was a ton of alcohol with a ton of caffeine. It gave people like 20 year olds heart attacks. And so uh, what the company did is the company agreed to pay compensation to uh, to New York State and then basically agreed to stop uh, basically making the drink and distributing it. And so this is kind of like, <laughs> I guess if you think about it, this is like a grander scale uh, for loco deal uh, where the company is basically just going to pay people out and then shut down or stop making this particular drug. Wow. Well, uh so people can't sue again or what? Like, cause I heard that states are going to step now sue or. Yeah. Yeah. Money, so right? yeah, basically usually what happens, I guess, you know, to compare this to another sort of legal situation that's probably more applicable than Florida Loco would be something like asbestos. So asbestos, for instance, uh, there were uh, all these manufacturers of asbestos, which was a uh, flame retarding material uh, that happened to kill people uh, mm -hmm. through a disease called me uh, mesotheliosis. And so ultimately what happened was they uh, entered into a, a lot of settlements, but the thing was the claims basically sort of dwarfed the funds that were available. And so what would happen is these companies would either declare bankruptcy or form trusts where they essentially put all their assets. And then from then on out, the trust is basically just existing to be sued for and to settle uh, oh, claims for about a pile settlement. of money. Yeah. Exactly. So basically what's, what Purdue is going to do, it looks like, is likely put all their money into a big pile and then from here on out, if you've been uh, you've taken or you're you're due money under any sort of litigation or anything that happens, you go to the Purdue Trust, which will then uh, you know litigate and pay you out if you have a valid claim. Now, you know, I wonder if this happens in England, Shem, because like in America, so basically an insurance par uh, insurance person or a pharmaceutical person rather uh, puts on a short skirt, puts on a nice little revealing blouse, heads over to the doctor. And it's like, hey, you know, you should really push this pill or whatever. Uh, and then the doctor goes, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and then pushes it to clients. I wonder if that happens in England. Probably not, right? Uh, no, uh, I don't. I truly haven't been to a doctor in three years because uh, I'm scared. Like, I don't understand the healthcare <laughs> system here. The, the thought of going near one stresses me out. Uh, you were talking to... Oh, God, I forgot her real name, Monique. Uh, I was going to say Nutella Cartel. Uh, but like, uh, <laughs> like, I know her, she's like a friend of mine, but like when she like described the way that she, uh, she was on the show and she described uh, the fear you have of actually going to a doctor when you're like foreign here because it's so like, confusing and hostile compared to a normal uh, medical system where you can, where it's free at the point of consumption. So you're able to get the care you need when you need it, not when you're in like a state of distress. I was like crying. It's like, that's so real. Like it's, I hate it here so much. Like yeah. there's so many like moments where I was like, oh, like my, my insurance, I have like healthcare through work, I think. Uh, I definitely am provided like healthcare through work. I don't know how it works. Uh, the, like I think I went a year 
where I ticked a box um, and said, yeah, I'll like take healthcare, but I didn't like follow through the second page and like select, become an active <laughs> consumer of my healthcare and do all the things. I just had a year of that health insurance I didn't know. And I was fined by the tax people for not having it. Uh, and then the second time I had to like, go through and fill all these forms is really careful and checked it, but I didn't put my partner on it because I didn't realize that was like, like, that was like a nightmare. Then the third year I did it properly uh, and then got like uh, an ATM card, like a debit card for like my medical provider. And that's the most insane thing I've ever held in my hands. Like literal <laughs> tears ran down my eyes of like, why do I live here? It's not worth it just to do like improv. Uh, like I should leave. Um, <laughs> and you're not doing improv now, now with this yeah, pandemic. Oh well, I mean, we just did that scene like that. That like that's, that was like that's true. Great. You're, I, I you're licensed say. and covered uh, for make a month. Um, yeah. yeah, like we don't have that level of like um, consumer-led uh, pharmaceuticals. Uh, it's like that. Uh, my country's shitty, but like it doesn't, it's not shitty in that way. Uh, it's like that is always like very upsetting when every time I like uh, think about it. One of the interesting things is, um, you know, like they people make up these excuses to why there should be no um, universal health care. And one of the excuses now is, well, if there's universal health care and it's free, then you're going to enslave doctors and nurses because that means that they have to work for whatever whatever we make them we force them to work and uh you know because like any government you know service it's basically some kind of uh, conscription service and it's like i wonder if do they think that like the post office like are those that's like ex-cons like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the post office is that's why the mail goes missing they steal it <laughs> it's part of their rebellion <laughs> yeah that just kills me man I, yeah it's terrible you know i, I have, i've had the same issues you know with uh, with health insurance um uh, you know, when I first got health insurance, uh, you know, for working, whatever, like 15, 12 years ago, uh, I went to the dentist. I was so excited because I was like, and he's just like, pretend you didn't bring this. This is less money, you know, than I can make just saying you robbed me or whatever. And I was like, all right, Jesus Christ. Uh, and then, yeah, no, it's pretty bad. And then like, yeah, it's, you know, you, then at one time I got like a physical and they're just like looking through my old thing. This is like when I had the bad one. Then I, they're just like, they're like, oh god! Like they just kept saying, oh god, you have this. Like I was like, well, I don't know. I didn't invent it. This is my insurance. I don't they're know. Calling everyone was... in to look at your uh, <laughs> look, guys. Get in here. Look at that. This kid here comes in here and asks for a prostate exam. Yeah, nice. Twenty one, and look at his insurance. My insurance was basically they'll give you a glove and a YouTube video, and that's uh, <laughs> you know. So it's that that that, is, that well, <laughs> you know, that's without the glove, my friend. Um, so that's kind of like what the uh, tough part of that, the insurance industry is. And again, also the part of it, and you know, when you grow up in America, is the your health insurance is so divorced from your life because of the uh, for-profit uh, that, you know, you just don't know what to do. You don't know if you're supposed to go and get regular checkups or whatever. Like everything in America is like, you know, if you're over 40, like uh, ask a friend about insurance, uh, about your health care, and then maybe they'll tell you, you know, like you know, if you tell a doctor or you ask a doctor, it's going to be for, for money and it's bad, you know? So, yeah. Is the um, is the OxyContin case similar to what happened with flamidomide? Flamidomide, or is that um, uh, that's the closest link I could like think to? Uh, right. Oh yeah, so it. right. So thalidomide was the that was the menstrual drug, right? Yes, I believe. Yes, so. yes, and it, and basically, yeah, women who took it, uh, several of them basically gave uh, birth to like severely deformed children. Like, you know, almost like kind of like a seal type uh, people. <laughs> That's all right. This oh is my the, God, the, I've never heard of this. This is a case I remember from law school. Well, because, yeah, they learned about it. Um, it was actually a big case because I think Eli Lilly was the uh, the name of the title. 
But the thing was, it was such a, uh, so Shimmy bring up a good point. But the thing is with thalidomide, part of the problem was that that drug was uh, a generic. And so there were tons of manufacturers who made it. And the problem was that like a lot of these companies did go out of business. And so what they tried to do was to apply the asbestos model, uh, which was to say that like, basically if you've made this, uh, you're liable for it at some point down, down the line. Uh, and everyone's going to pay into a big pot. And Eli Lilly litigated the case. And eventually, I believe the court uh, came to the conclusion, went pretty high up, that because the the drug was basically so fungible and like nonspecific, you couldn't like it was basically impossible to hold a specific person liable or a specific company because there's no way to show uh, which company had made the drug that a woman had ingested at some point in time with life. It was just like this was also back in like the 50s and 60s. And so like the, the pharmaceutical industry was just like, you know, a bit more wild west. Uh, the thing with oxy uh, with oxycodone is that it is it's specific to Purdue Pharmaceuticals. Like it's this is an example of a copyright uh, on a drug sort of coming back <laughs> to uh, bite you in the ass. Because the thing is, it's specific to them. It's their trademark. They were the only company that was making this specific type of uh, painkiller, and they were profiting from it the entire time. And so it's very easy to sort of move back in the supply chain and hold somebody responsible as the manufacturer. Wow. You know, I, I find it so strange that um, a painkiller is can be used regularly. You know, I understand that people are in terrible pain, like, don't get me wrong, but a painkiller means that there's something wrong with you, you know, right? Am I not? It's just <laughs> odd to me that, like, you're just like, man, like, my leg is bleeding. All right, here's a painkiller. Like, not that this is the same, but it's in a sense, like, you know, like, you would think that maybe they're trying to, like, fix the real problem rather than like mask it over and over and over again but you know i mean I yeah but i never fix any of my real problems i just i do the equivalent <laughs> in like literally anything else that's bothering me uh like i'm i'm a big on empathy uh like that's uh so like i i don't like take painkillers per se but like i have so many other areas in my life where like if i were abstract for myself and looking it's like what's up with that guy why doesn't he just like do fix that or sleep properly or quit like doing this industry that hates him like there's so many like things where it's like oh you're talking about which one of which one of the three of us are you talking about <laughs> alex i just met you but i've you're accurately diagnosed you. <laughs> you can tell me you're, you're way off buddy you know my drug is food i had a big pork loin before i came in here wow <laughs> <laughs> but you no, know, but you know, Alexis does bring up a good point, and I think this is also in the in the medical profession is just like a uh, a source of controversy because often pain is very subjective, right? So there are some people who uh, who are very sensitive to it, uh, who uh, and there are some people who like don't take who don't need it, who don't need aspirin, who like live with chronic pain and just sort of like kind of like deal with it. And so I guess the the thing with substance abuse is it's less necessarily about maybe the underlying medical condition. But part of the thing is that like these powerful uh, pharmaceuticals are really used like you know, basically in a situation where it's just like, well, you know, we don't know, like, you know, who knows if this will go away in time or uh, what your life is going to be like. So we'll just prescribe you something so that way you can like swim during the day uh, or whatever is or to, or to function. Yeah. And the problem is that, you know, people become dependent and then they can't function. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. And again, the people are trying to function. You know, we live in a world where people need to go to work every day. And, uh, you know, there's really get much relief from that. So I totally understand. Like, the, the you're, you're fucked if you're in pain and you need to you want the pain gone away and you don't care about the other stuff. But it just like seems like 
for to say that there's these millions of people out there that are all living in chronic pain where they're become addicted to these powerful, you know, drugs. It just seems that like, you know what, there's a bigger problem underneath there that we as a society do, are not interested in fixing. If only they started their own podcasts. Well, you know, I'm telling you, <laughs> one at a I time. Mean, they are like they're popping up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably it's the are, next actually. big epidemic. Here we go. Now that Purdue shut down, we're gonna <laughs> a podcast epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on from that. By the way, it, it is funny when I started my podcast. Like everybody's like another, it's another podcast from another person. Like, all right, you're saying it to my face, my friend. All right. Uh, now, in the in other news, uh, our president, who is debating tonight against uh, Joey Biden. Um, somebody said the unemployment office said podcasts counts as income. Thank you, uh, Dracula Dadass. A man, a person named Dracula Dadass is just commenting on very sharply. Um, so, uh, basically Trump did a 60 minutes interview and he was not happy with, uh, how it went. Um, because he, the questions from our lovely Leslie Stahl, a uh, friend of the podcast and a listener. Uh, he says they were too tough. I think she even opened the interview by saying this is going to be a tough interview uh, or whatever. And he just kind of like, uh, with five minutes to go, apparently, he just kind of quit. He was like, that's it. I'm out of here. No, Don't bring out Mike Pence. Don't bring out anybody. We're done. <laughs> we're fucking done. <sighs> I, every, every time I say this, uh, people get very upset with me. But uh I, I i think he's very bad i'm not i don't support him in any way shape or form but i also can see why people like him oh yeah uh like i totally get the appeal like because that's uh that's in some circles like a very cool move or like a oh wow you like not putting up all that all the machinations and the, the bullshit uh and it's also it's what i i've I've wished I could storm out of meetings or conversations sometimes. And like every time he like does a little thing like that, where everyone's like, can you believe this idiot is like doing these things? Like, yeah, I can. Like, I, I totally, I can see, like, he, he shouldn't, like, I re nuance is dead uh, in like this day and age. Like, it's so uh, uh, terrifying, like talking on any topic without carrying it several times. Uh, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Don't, don't do that here. Don't do that here. We have lots of nuance here. If my listeners didn't believe in nuance, they would not listen for more than a minute. Okay, so. I'll and I've seen the stats. Much. Yeah, you've, yeah, you've read the you monologues. Go. You know how it goes. <laughs> nuance. It's, it's all. It's not in the words that Alexis chooses or his delivery. It's in his. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, here, here, you know, you bring up a good point because there are a lot of times where people will be mad at like Trump, right? And and I'll be like, yeah, I hate him too. And they'll say something where it's like you know, he should sit there and get yelled at for an hour. And I'm like, I don't, what? Why should he do that? What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, and it's like, um, I think I asked one of my friends, is there like literally anything uh, he could say or any like uh, point where you think you agree and overlap? And it's like, no. And it's like, that's unreasonable. Like, yeah. obviously, there. Like, he loves the movies of Jean Claude Van Damme, as do I. Like, we could, <laughs> if, yeah. if, we, if we set like politics aside, we could probably talk about how does he still be able to do the splits at this point in time like there's like there's always like um i'm like i'm stupidly into empathy so like i've even though people i hate like tories i think they're like bad people but also there's a point i've have friends who are tories i have friends who are like fanatically fundamentalist muslims uh who like we don't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff but like we love other things like i grew up with them um but yeah uh like i f i always feel that there's a point of human connection that has 
disappeared from a lot of my uh, liberal or friends on the left, and they've become almost like a hate field to the point where I don't think it's like useful or like good for. I don't think it's yeah. like good for them as people. Well, number one, you can ignore things. That's the number one thing. I, and I, I just don't understand, like, sometimes where people just can't ignore, like, things that happen, like, especially, like, that Donald says or whatever. It's like, you know, you can ignore that. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then, yeah, and the other one, it's just kind of like, um, you can, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, Steve Bannon, uh, when he was in the administration for, like, a few months after the election, he said that he was interested in raising taxes for people who are millionaires to, like, 55% or something like that, right? And uh, this like liberal millionaire, you know, actor uh, tweeted it or whatever. And she was like, these people will stop at nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that just really murdered me because it's like, uh, can you stop for like one second and just think about what it is you're saying here? uh about like what, what is it that, like you think that like oh the millionaires are, like you know what i mean like it's just like people are just they just see enemy and they just like anything that comes out has to be enemy you know and like meanwhile you're more powerful when you have nuance you're more powerful when you can kind of take look at the good look at the bad and make that kind of like decision you and people take you more seriously in fact um but i think there's too many people out there who are just like Everything is just like, how am I going to spin this one? Like, it's like a sports. Yeah. I think uh, watching this last debate, too, like the uh, for me as a person who's been registered as a Democrat since my first election back in 2003, um, part of uh, the whole thing going into this was sort of like, all right, so we need to get like a bit smarter. And the most important thing is to acknowledge uh, our failures, because it's only by acknowledging our failures that we can uh, grow from them. Don't tell and my so, that, please. <laughs> so, well the, well, the big thing for me is just kind of like this, uh, the embrace of Biden has sort of, it's the way that people have kind of looked at it or framed it is it's kind of like, oh yeah, Biden's going to take us back to the way that things were to like, you know, when we could be proud of our president and everything yeah. else. And for me, like hearing that and seeing everything that's happened is it's like your house is on fire and saying, you know, God, I wish we could just go back to the time when it was just smoke. It was just smoke everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, we had trouble breathing and everything else, but it wasn't fire. You know, this election is too important to pick fire. And it's like, well, look, going back to the way things are, that's exactly like we're just we're walking back down the path, but we're in the same circumstances with the same demographic setup uh, that led us to uh, our our twenty twenty reality. Like, and so this this idea that like you know if we just if we just backtrace it a bit and you know pick the right guy this time you know the guy who's of the same political class that's run the country for the last thirty years uh, we're magically going to come to the result that's been eluding us uh, since the end of World War II or eighteen sixty five or seventeen seventy six uh, it's yeah. just it, it's diluted thinking I um kept thinking like because everyone every time people scream about um the current administration being like really racist or like really homophobic or like misogynistic and it's like yeah that's appealing to like quite a lot of people in the country like that they're, <laughs> like they're not off put by any of those things and like if literally if you're like european and you see like the image of donald trump screaming and like wobbling and said that guy runs america you'd be like yeah of course that's what we think of americans <laughs> like it, it truly like lines up so like unless you like change the core like heart of the country and the way people are and the way people treat each other um like I, I can't see like a slight shift back to the left as being like helpful or like yeah i don't know i wasn't that happy like 
before the pandemic. I wasn't that happy during the Obama years. I wasn't that happy. Like back then, it wasn't like this wonderful time. Uh, it's just because things have gotten worse. But like they were still bad. Like there, there are problems. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I think things are. You know, we'll go whatever. I don't want to go too far into it. But you know, I think that like the left has be kind of like rethought about like a lot of things you know we'll see what happens uh you know if biden wins but uh i think that uh uh basically people on the left are just realizing like what it is that made them win and it's like not like it's not like that they wore a tie you know or that they you know could recite the constitution it was like the stuff of like helping the working class and stuff like that oh but i one thing i did want to talk about though with the 60 minutes thing is uh they really bungled it uh cbs and um the reason why is if I interviewed somebody like, you know, whatever, Shem, like, let's say I interviewed you and it You're was like a tough, right now. Yeah. yeah let, let's say I interviewed you, Shem. And you said, I'm going to release my own copy of what was said today. I would say, uh, okay, that's totally fine. Like, I have nothing to hide, I would hope, uh, you know. But then CBS freaked out about Trump, like, releasing his own audio or whatever. They were just kind of like, oh, you know, that's not fair or whatever. Um, you know what, that even if you're even if that's the law or whatever, that's the rules of somebody releasing their own, you need to like relax and just be like, it's better for us to just let them do it. There's one thing I've learned from watching CBS programming is they're very relaxed. They're very go with the flow. They don't. <laughs> this is, yeah, I got to say their reaction is very not uh, young Sheldon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got to be more to it. Well, again, I just think you want to be smarter so that you, you seem more um, honest and uh, forthright. And again, if somebody's like, I'm going to share audio from this thing, like even, even by pretending that you're upset, like even if you have something incriminating you want, like just, you're, you're supposed to chill. Just like, yeah, all right, that's fine. Like, like that's again it's just like be be smarter about it now now people think there's two sides of it now people think something's edited you know what i mean like that's the bullshit that i don't like so. we'll see is, is shim are you planning on releasing your own version of this podcast uh, I, <laughs> I was almost like gonna i was like tempted to like put up audition and like with all the local feed so i have like good audio <laughs> and said it so it can be edited along but then it's like oh like that's not a consideration it's fine like <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Okay. Well, as long as we all agree. So, and Shem, if you release whatever was said before the podcast started, I will kill you. Any of the chat there is a stuff. private chat, and I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? The, the thing is, like, when I write that stuff on like Facebook, it it, uh, it blocks it out, and I was just surprised it worked on private chat. So. <laughs> um. Next news story: um, Trump continues his federal judge uh, jamboree, just filling the federal courts with all his judges, and he's putting up the youngest federal uh, judge in uh, U.S. history, which is hard to believe considering people used to die at age 33. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's putting up a 33-year-old woman uh, who is a. I'm sorry, it's a man. No, no, I said, damn. Yeah, yeah. Like, 33 is two years younger than I am. Yeah, there you go. Well, um, She works at, is it Jones Day? What's the name of the law firm? Uh, Jones Day, yeah. Jones Day, yeah. That's like a major conservative law firm that, uh, you know, that they've been taking federal federal court judges from or whatever, appointing. And, or a lot of them work in the administration at Jones Day, right? Yeah, yeah. Jones Day has had, I mean, like, you'd be hard-pressed to find any major law firm that hasn't worked for uh, members of the administration or government at some point. Um, there are, you know, the, Jones Day is among them. You have Paul Weiss, 
you have Clifford Chance, you know, all these white shoe mm. firms. But yeah, Jones Day is a uh, big law power firm for sure. So so anyway, this is interesting. Um, and, you know, the, the, whatever. We'll, the, I feel both two ways about this, but uh, she got a rating from the American Bar Association, right? Is that what it's called? That's the ABA, right? right? And uh, she got a... Um, a uh, rating of the American Bar Association, uh, not qualified, uh, not they qualified. said. Uh, they said she's not qualified. They said you should uh, spend at least 12 years uh, practicing law, and she has like three, yep. something like that. Um, and uh, yikes, we have an unqualified <laughs> federal judge. Right. Well, the important thing to keep in mind is that the, the ABA is kind of like, I don't know, they sort of put themselves out as like the union for lawyers. Attorneys don't have unions. Uh, we're basically regulated individually by the uh, by the states. So each state has its own bar association. And the AB, ABA is sort of like uh, like the American Doctors Association. It's essentially a, an attorney lobbyist group. You have to pay uh, money, though, to it every year, right? I, I don't have to. No, no. It's a voluntary. It's like I'm trying to think of a good, uh, a good example. Like uh, think of it like the American Cancer Association, I guess. It's like a it's an organization that purports to sort of represent uh, attorneys and their interests. Um, but the thing is, it is a, it's like a voluntary, it's like the NRA for lawyers, I guess would be like the, the closest thing that I can think of. It's a lobbying group as opposed to like an actual regulatory uh, body. Yeah. So it's sort of the same way that the NRA like grades people in terms of how friendly they are to gun rights. Oh, I see. I the see. ABA sort of has its own rating system for uh, people in the profession. Now, here's the other side of it that I think, um, I bet Trump. So she's like Federalist Society or whatever. She's like an uber conservative. I bet Trump just couldn't find or whatever his team. He like he didn't care. He wasn't finding it or whatever. His team probably couldn't find a conservative person. They're just like, whatever. Who's conservative? Just email us. You want to be like? a judge? Yeah. I mean, like this. Well, this has come up before, though, too. Back in the in the Bush administration, uh, a similar thing came out with. I'm trying to remember the specific case. I forget if it was the uh, one of the amas unmasking cases it might have been Scooter Libby, but there was a high-level uh, federal criminal investigation, uh, and there, and in the course of it, this political, this question of politics came up uh, because one of the um, uh, not general attorneys, but a United States attorney, uh, which are basically like the prosecutors or lawyers for the government, uh, sort of had like similar bona fides to these. She came from a basically a correspondence law school. Uh, like grades weren't very good and essentially got the position, which are uh, highly competitive jobs. I'd say like right up there with uh, with big law firms or certain kinds of federal clerkships, uh, an appointment to the uh, the government's bench essentially is considered a very, very prestigious uh, appointment. And this person got it because they were politically connected. And so that's kind of like the, you know, the, you know, those jobs now, I mean, they've always kind of been like gimmies to some extent. Uh, but it's you rarely, rarely see this going to somebody who's like so fresh. I think I just read actually that she graduated from law school in 2012. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's it, not a long time. Yeah, exactly. Like typically uh, when you in at least historically, federal judges have been people who have been practicing uh, usually at the federal level over achieve some kind of prominence within the law. Uh, and, you know, sort of in, in terms of the practice, like that's where they get their connections. That's how they sort of work up in their individual parties or like what have you. Like, it's not always the case that like, you know, a guy like, let's say Alexis gets appointed tomorrow and, uh, you know, he, you, you know, he would appoint me to the bench for instance, but not like, you know, just some, well, maybe you would point a 26 year old, <laughs> fresh graduate. You don't know me. I guess you don't know me. How does the word, how does this shit work in England, Shem? Like, do they have like lifetime judges in England? How does that work? 
I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I tried to be a lawyer for like uh, half a day and I was like, fuck this. Uh, what do you mean you tried to be a lawyer for half a day? <laughs> I, was, I like applied to a Clifford Chase. Uh, like I got up to the form and I was like, no, I'll go into banking instead. Like it's easy. Um, <laughs> yeah. You didn't but, even do that. Yeah. Uh, no, I work in finance. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, you work in finance. You're one of I those people. You, yeah, I wish you'd say that my brother works in finance in England too. Oh. Uh, yeah, like I, uh, I'm, I'm a confusing, complex individual. Uh, <laughs> what do you work, Barclays? <laughs> <laughs> I refused to bank with Barclays because they uh, were supportive of the apartheid. Uh, and then I have like family from South Africa. So I was like, right. that feels like a line I should like not cross. Like that, that feels like too much. Like, Plus they got like, terrible rewards. Oh, and the pens, like the yeah, no, there's there's a lot to be said uh, against them. Um, I know that you have like hered- I, I'm most I'm most used to hearing this argument in terms of hereditary peerage in the Lords, where we elect someone to like the secondary uh, tier of government, and they're just like lifetime peers, and that's like a big problem, and people like stack the house, and I think that's a little bit like uh, the Senate you have here, but also I just don't know the legal system that I haven't like dipped into it for years. They have to wear those wigs over there, right, when you're in court. <laughs> Uh, I almost like pulled on the one I had uh, behind me uh, just while you were talking about law, <laughs> but but then I think Alex said something very serious. I thought that will undercut the gravity of, of what he no, said. That's all right. I'm used to it. <laughs> 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 to being undercut. Yeah. No. It's it's. Uh, yeah. I think the the American system is very uh, very different in that I think the way that it was envisioned, if we're going you know to original intent. Is the idea that these uh, judges would be sort of these neutral, cold, uh, pure fact finders uh, who'd be able just to rule? And now it's essentially to become the same as any other political appointment. It's not. Nece- it's not going to anybody based on experience. Uh, it's going based on who you know, uh, and that's yeah. I think long term. You know, long term is bad. Well, Can- you know, like the comedy industry. You know? <laughs> well, speaking of that, like while I have you, and like I'm conscious of time. The biggest news story that you haven't yet covered is the death of Quibi, which was today. <laughs> and like, I was uh, just wanting to hear your sizzling hot takes and also your legal perspective because of their uh, union skirting. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> that's the number one thing I was against. First of all, this is the thing that drives me fucking crazy about every like new show or whatever, like this new program. They're like, we're going to get a big comedy star. We're going to get like whatever, like some like actor. And they'd be like, oh, who's going to write it? I'm like, oh, well, I got a cousin who said he likes comedy. <laughs> Maybe we can pay him $7 or something like that. Like, the the fact that they fucking uh, always do this shit where they don't really think about the whole production or whatever to try to go around union rules, they, it, it just, like, it just kills the product. And uh, another problem with Quibi is um, the sign-in process, all of that stuff, you know, they shouldn't have done that. What they should have done is just let people watch it without signing in. Just just go to the website and just works for three months, and then then come put the hammer down and make them sign in or whatever. But uh, the the fact that like they didn't ever build a base, and this is the same problem with CISO, uh, the fact that they never build the base without like a hurdle. And again, you know this shit is a hurdle. Like even if you're even if it's free, signing in, putting in your credit card information. That's a hurdle, and people don't want to do that. They don't trust you. They don't trust themselves to cancel. Jealous. And uh, these these morons never ever think of that. When Hulu first started, you could just watch it. Yeah. You could just go to the website and just watch it. And then like, and then later on, they're like, okay, if you want to sign in. And then later on, they started adding the pay. Mm-hmm. But they built so many fans 
that they were able to uh, like eventually charge them and they were like, oh, well, I want to see the rest of this, so I'm going to do it. And it's a good product. The fact that these like TV networks are like, oh, it'll be free, but you got to sign in and I want to do this, I want to do that. It's like, no, man, that's not going to work. And like, you couldn't like uh, screenshot it. Like they just had yeah. all just all these like dumb little things that like that made it made you feel embarrassed to sign up for it or to admit <laughs> that you're watching it. And especially when you're dealing with like a, you know a product you're trying to frame as being like hot and cool and the thing you watch on the toilet, uh, you don't want to give people reasons not to watch. I uh, a sad story is that I was so excited at the launch of CISO. I was like in the UK at the time. I was like, oh, this sounds really cool, like a comedy channel. They have like shrink sounding like a really uh, cool uh, program. I think Connor was on like an episode of Debate Wars. Uh, like they just had all these like cool little shows, and it's like this sounds fantastic uh, and then by the time i moved uh to the us it was like dead uh it was like i was like i truly like came and was like wow I'll be able to like, listen to all the CISO programming uh hang out used to be chelsea hang out used to be new york uh, and they do stuff and then one by one by one by one all those things that were literally like literally on my <laughs> dreams i was like just come out and like watch death by ruru every friday at, like chelsea like hang out. like i was so excited to do all those things and they all like have withered away and quibi is the last in the long line uh, maybe not last you're on this show now so yeah there you go <laughs> on this show will run and run forever yeah people from saudi arabia are going to move to america and be like i want to watch the show and i learn english <laughs> uh we actually gotta go soon um in a little bit uh shem when we're uh, unfortunately uh shem where can people see you by the way uh i'm just uh hanging out on instagram uh at my show called life is where most of my content lives or like me screaming about it. I've just started producing um, a podcast with the next guest, the next block of Litverse content people. Hell yeah. Uh, Steve Gianti. He's very funny and talented. Oh, very funny, uh, dude. Yeah, that's why I want to like be associated with him before he gets too famous. <laughs> uh, so that's called Steve Gianti's Infinite Playlist. I'm like the producer from that. And he like talks to guests about music and then he like freestyles like verses around it. And it's like, a fun time and that's wherever you get podcasts blah 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 that's cool Wonderful. all right well thank you and as always we always end with a, a final thought <laughs> from uh the my luigi my uh my yoshi really if you think about it uh, uh alex estrada alex do you have a final thought for us well, i got my final thought for today so of course we've talked about the closing of purdue pharmaceuticals and the loss of oxycontin for uh, and, and for better or for worse, uh, it did help some people uh, in, in horrible pain, but uh, the scientists today have actually announced uh, the discovery of a, a new pharmaceutical. Oh. Uh, this is a, uh, a numbing uh, agent. Uh, oh. Like once you, it's applied, you don't feel anything, you don't want anything, you can't do anything. Holy smokes. That's, it's that's called awesome. the Alexis Pereira program. It, excuse <laughs> me, the you're on the show. It out like Oxycontin. You're on this show and way less people take it. <laughs> way less.